Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, Sitting here with Tom Dorian, Thomas yes, P. Yes, sir. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having and, me. And uh, certainly we want to welcome Sam Rodriguez. There Hello. Rodriguez, our our wonderful new friend who's kind of awesome. joined us here in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. And so we have one of our marvelous top ten shows to do They're today. They're all marvelous. I, but I love the top ten shows. They're kind of fun. Because it makes you stop and think about things. Yeah. Because to come up with ten of something makes you go like, you have to ponder. So what our listeners should do is pause as soon as you give them the subject and okay. write out their top ten and see if we, with ours. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. Very good. So here's our here's our topic. It's it's t- <laughs> it's ten things a large family you teaches love that you. Idea, didn't That's you? a great idea. There's nothing wrong with it. Just you know, if it's a great idea, you need to give it to me in quiet Just so move I can on. have it. Here we go. No, ten things a large family <laughs> teaches you. Yes, sir. All right, everybody, pause. Go hit pause on whatever it is. If you're driving, don't pause because people are going to honk at you. <laughs> you can't pause your car in the same way. But anyway, all that aside, see, we're blowing time. I'm sorry. We always run out of time on the fault. top ten things. Just move on. And then, like, you know, see, Sam is being really quiet. Patience <laughs> is like, one. Got to be one. Yeah, patience is one. You're yeah. right. We'll just talk about patience. There you go. So ten things a large family teaches you, and one of them and it was like way up there on your list. It was number one for me. Yeah, patience. It teaches you patience. How does it teach you patience? Well, there's going to be a lot of obnoxious people or a lot of obnoxious things that are going to happen to you or happen around you throughout a big family's life, and you yeah. better learn patience quickly. Yeah. You're going to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to suffer around you as well. When I think in relationships as close as like family relationships, sibling relationships, the past is always present. Patterns form really quickly within our conduct. And a lot of times, that which happened a year ago is suddenly informing what's happening right right now, even if the other people aren't aware of it. And sometimes we have to get in the way of that. And, yeah, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to keep it a lot simpler, Sam, and just say, like, when you got a lot of kids, you ain't going anywhere fast. No. I mean, you know, everything t- everything's a process. That's right. Right? And, and you're right about patterns and, like, forming your behind netherworld, whatever you just have said. And it's, like, very intellectual. But... The reality is I've learned that if I think I'm ready to go, I just need to sit down. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> because I'm not ready to go yet. It's not going to happen. Because not everybody's ready to go. And so, and, there's, and, and I'm not blaming and saying some people are slower than other people, which there's always that kind of dynamic. But, um, Stuff man. Stuff just happens. Yeah, and you can, if you let that bother you, all of a sudden there's this, there's this discord in your house. Right. right? And it's like worse when you're going to Mass. Oh, it's, that is the right. Worst. I mean, you want because you don't want to be late, but nope. at the same time, it's like so you start thinking like, how do we? It just teaches you patience. It teaches you to kind of like go, you know, I'm not in control of every single aspect of my life, and I need to sometimes just lay back a little bit. And it teaches you the, the, the rest of the family patience as well. It's not just about what it teaches you, I guess, mm-hmm. but really what is being taught to everyone involved in a, in a large family. Um, so my number one, which is probably better than yours, was uh, <laughs> was trust in God. Okay, you know when I'm talking when I'm t- when I'm talking to folks and and they're talking about when I do marriage prep and like well what, what's what, how many kids you want to have now I was going like two point seven you know they got some hmm. kind of number in their mind of what they want to do and they've got this all planned out 
And I just, I always ask them, like, well, where did, how'd you come up with that number? And then they start thinking, they tell me about the incomes and what years and, and things, how that should all work out. And I think that's great. And God gave you that intellect and that reason and that faith, the, the ability to kind of come up with these ideas. But at what point are you just saying, you know what, I, I don't know, and I'm willing just to trust that God is going to give me the right number of kids, us the right number of kids, and that, that when we have these kids, God's going to provide for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Somehow we're going to either win the lottery or whatever's going to happen is going to happen because God, we, if we trust in God, because there's a lot of folks, I think that just there's a there's a lack of trust there. And so they think, well, I've got to I've got to care for them and, and I'm totally responsible for how much money comes now. So I've got to work X number of hours if I have X number of children, I've got to do this X number of times and I've got to invest X amount. And you start thinking about all the X's and you start Xing out. The, the the role that God plays the, right. the great mystery and and the just really the um, you know when God said be fruitful and multiply he did, wasn't going to just leave us hanging there right? right he 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 always had a plan of fulfillment and fruitfulness bears fruitfulness and so the flourishing happens when we just trust God and so that's for me that was trust in God uh, but there is that patience thing that 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 is a a, a big positive thing that that happens. So, like, uh, number three, we both had this on our list. I don't know where it was on yours, but ha- really teaching you how to share. That's right. I mean, Sharing I feel, is caring. I, I feel like Mr. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood a little bit, but this idea of, like, you know, you just, it's not just yours. Right. I mean, you literally teach kids that that's not just your bed. There might be five other people sleeping in it, you know, at the same time, you know? Um, and it's not always that bad. No. I mean, between us, we got, uh, we got 14. 14 kids, right? And then uh, Between Sam, the three of us. Sam doesn't have any kids. No. He's got spiritual children, though. I do. You do. Have, you, have, you, you have some people that you're talking to. So it's nice to have your perspective as well. Um, but, like, you learn, you learn generosity. It's, it's where you learn to give. Yep. Because you learn that you kind of, you just do. And, and in a family environment, when you give, you also get. There's other people, like, it's nice to, to share, you know, your candy but if you don't have any candy, but your brother or your sister does, and they share, you go like, "That's pretty cool." It's more fun to share too. Yeah, I know. And then it, then it becomes a family event. It just right. becomes we're caring for each other. You said sharing is caring, and I mm-hmm. I like the alliteration. The little rhyme there is very You're nice. Welcome. But it's so but it's so true, and it's it's helping us to see the love thy neighbor aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Right? You learn that it comes naturally in a large family because you're sharing. It, it, you right. just first because your parents said so, and then there's the reality of like we've only got one. Right. Who's getting the car tonight? Right. Well, you're gonna have to figure that out. I mean, we're gonna have to share. Um, so number uh, four. Now, I, I I wrote down frugality, but I don't mean that in a. It's not necessarily always a bad to be frugal. It's you a know? fancy word for cheapskate. Well, but see, you might think of it that way, and I don't want to have that negative connotation. But I, but someone who's thrifty, someone who know, knows how to how to how to spend a dollar wisely, yeah, right? Prudence, the mental yeah. virtue. Of prudence. That's right. See, I knew our virtuous uh, friend here would come <laughs> up with job, some Sam. kind of th- uh, theological explanation for all yeah. this. But you're right, cheapskate, prudence. It's all you know. <laughs> it's all connected. Uh, you know, to be economical, well, you know, to right. use bad language. Well, and I think also for the decision makers there to have the courage to be looked at as a cheapskate when, in fact, they're just being rational and prudent and economical. That's right. And those are and those are good things to do. I just it also helps teach the kids, you know, that I don't need all of this stuff. Right. I mean, I really don't need it. My life is not going to end if I don't have if each one of my kids doesn't have an iPad. 
Wouldn't right. that be wonderful if we could do that? But it's like, really, I think it's actually better that we don't do that. Yeah. And we, we help them to, to, I guess, part of the sharing and the community and all that kind of stuff that we're going to talk about. But really, this idea of frugality, of, of making a dollar stretch, and then you start to, you, you don't waste as much. Yeah, you appreciate what you have. Well, our culture seems to be fairly confused about uh, con- conflating love with pleasing. Like, yeah, I, in order to love someone, you have to please that person. Or I'm not. If I'm not pleased, I'm not being loved. And then we please too often with stuff, right? Right. I mean, so it's like you start to realize the the pattern, and that's that is definitely a problem. I agree. Now, if you came to our house and you wanted to witness frugality, all you'd have to do is open up our pantry. Now, it's I got nine kids, so it's chock full, right? It's full of stuff. But if you look closely, what you'll see, and the kids make fun of me all the time, but you see a lot of dented cans. Every time I go to, to the grocery store, I go down the aisle where they stick all of the dented cans, yeah. and they mark everything 50% off. It's, it's like, hey, we, you know, look, there's 15 cans of green beans. We yeah. eat green beans. So do I want to pay a dollar or 50 cents? But the can's ugly. It's dented. It's like, it's okay. You know, right. the green beans aren't dented. I promise you. We'll open them up, and they'll be just fine. <laughs> and so the kids are like, oh, look, Dad bought some more dented cans, you know? <laughs> so it's just, I mean, we, and we learn that in the context of that large family yeah you know and i just it's one of the kind of neat things again this is is passed on to these kids this is how they're being raised it's essentially forming them right Mm -hmm. and then the 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 fifth one is kind of cool uh that i have listed and that is like that it's enhancing or teaching the kids especially parenting skills Mm -hmm. and you think like people that have kids you know, the one uh, new new parents will you say like I just don't know what I'm doing, I just I don't know, and it's like that's okay. You got to trust God. God gave you really the it, the gifts. They're there. You just got to let them bubble up. You know, trust Him. It's it's going to work out. The reality is when you have a large family, there's this wonderful, beautiful dynamic that as your family gets larger, the little babies start to get tended for and cared for and you know played with and. And they start having a parental relationship with their older siblings. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have like a 13-year-old. You have not lived until you've had a 13-year-old boy change a baby's diaper without being asked. Mm-hmm. Right? And that happens in a large family. That's and you're cool. essentially teaching a 13-year-old boy to be a parent just by, by the natural process of being in that family. Right? And so we used to do things like we'd have like they'd have buddies. Right, so the older kids couldn't put their clothes up, take their clothes upstairs from the laundry without taking their buddies' clothes with them, and they would go up with the little one and help them put them in the drawers and all that kind of stuff. And you start, and then what's what's amazing is like when the little ones would get hurt, they would just soon run to the kids, their older brothers, and hold on to them, and and their older brothers and sisters would would pick them up and care for them, right? Like a like a mother or a father. It's and it's built in education for parents. So I think that when my kids as they go like i'm not ready to be a parent it's like i don't know what to do it's like they know they do right they do know that i think large families is something we don't always we don't always remember that happens Mm -hmm. um now um the the next one i have is uh we have it like as different names here but i have the importance of community like being taught that um that you're 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 part of a group of people you're in a community versus being alone and um so it takes away the selfishness right it takes away it's my god it's my experience it's my life it becomes it's our god it's our experience it's our life and it teaches them to live in community to to care about their neighbor to care about uh the other people's experiences other than their own to see things in that view but also 
um, it, it somebody we can rely on them more. Oh, especially in our times of suffering, where we can share each other's sufferings and take ownership for each other's mm. sufferings, and we're not left alone in our sufferings. Right. I mean, have you had experiences? I mean, I know I've had times where it's like I needed to have a family around me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, and then when you do that, and it's like there they are, and you start realizing, well, thank you, God, for giving me a family. Thank you for giving me this big community that can now just hug me, especially in those difficult times of suffering. So uh, we've done six out of ten. We're doing good. We're good on time. We are right. So we've talked about uh, trusting in God. We've talked about patience, uh, learning how to share, frugality, making that dollar stretch. Certainly, parenting skills, sort of. Born into these kids, and then certainly the importance of the body of Christ, right? The mystical body of Christ, but community. So we got those things, 10 things a large family teaches you. Um, and so just kind of helping those Catholics out who have the big families and get, you know, every once in a while people look at them, right? Funny. But uh, so uh, we got more to do. Before we uh, do that, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about some more of this. I want to tell folks at home we got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, you like to, I'd like to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Just imagine what it would have been like to sit at the feet of one of the twelve and hear the gospel proclaimed firsthand from someone who saw, touched, walked, and talked with the Lord Jesus himself. This is just what St. Polycarp did as a student of St. John, the last of the beloved apostles to die. St. Polycarp was Bishop of Smyrna and a very holy man. As a member of the second generation of church leaders, he faced many new challenges, challenges even the original twelve apostles did not face. There were many early heresies, challenges to the truth of Christ and the authority of the church. But above all, St. Polycarp was a man of God, and he faced these challenges head-on his entire life. He was a beacon of truth for the early church. The heretic Marcion, who taught error about the nature, existence, and relationship of good and evil, matter and spirit, challenged St. Polycarp, demanding he recognize his heretical sect. Recognize us, Polycarp, he demanded. St. Polycarp responded, I recognize you, yes, I recognize the son of Satan. St. Polycarp was to give his life in service to the church, just as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A very early document, The Martyrdom of Polycarp, tells the heroic story of his death. When in his 80s, St. Polycarp was arrested, He was offered the opportunity to save his own life if he would simply swear his allegiance to Caesar. To this request, St. Polycarp answered, If you imagine that I will swear by Caesar, you do not know who I am. Let me tell you plainly, I am a Christian. It was ordered that St. Polycarp be burned at the stake. As the fire was lit, witnesses heard a long and beautiful prayer uttered from the mouth of the saint. In part, they heard, Lord God Almighty, I bless you for having made me worthy of this day and this hour. I bless you because I may have a part, along with the martyrs, in the chalice of your Christ. As St. Polycarp said amen, his captors stoked the fire. But it is reported that the fire did not burn him. 
It miraculously formed an arch around him, causing him to resemble what the martyrdom document says was gold and silver glowing in a furnace. They finally had to stab him to death. St. Polycarp's feast day is February 23rd. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. Yes, indeed, here is Deacon Jeff in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and that loud grunting sound you heard was Tom Dorian clearing his throat. Yes, it was not a wildebeest. Please forgive me. (laughs) Although he's been confused with wildebeest once or twice in his life, but that's another story, another show. (laughs) Tom Dorian is here with me. Sam Rodriguez is here with me, and we are we are talking about ten things a large family teaches you. You know, in context, I guess we never said why we're talking about this, but how many times do Catholics kind of get accused of, like, soaking up all the resources and all the things that Catholics do? And it's like, man, uh, there are some really practical, really cool reasons why it's a good thing to be fruitful and multiply. I'm not just saying that we do this for numbers. Mm -mm. I will say that I have mathematically, I've done the math, and by the year 2537, everyone will be named Drzymski. That's my, that's my plan. It's global domination in sheer numbers. No, I'm kidding. It's not about that. But. Well, and really, you know, the, one of the first things we talked about was trusting in God. If that's right. If people look at Catholic families and say, oh, those are too big. Oh, our world's overpopulated. Right. We can't afford more people. Then ultimately, you have to ask yourself, is there an issue with trusting in God's provision? Um, See, I agree with that, and I and that's why I guess I bring that up. Uh, and you know, we always have to jest with it, but as Catholics with big families, we get lambasted a lot. Big it's like, time. oh, there goes another one of those big vans filled yep. with all the little Catholic kids. Yeah, big time. Anyway, so we we we're doing top ten things that we learn from what happens, the practical experience of a of a large family, and what a large family teaches. And I'm sure there's a hundred and fifty, and I'm sure that people have made their own list, and they're going like, hey, they missed all the good stuff, you know? That, right. But these are like ten things that came to us. Email us. No, exactly. I want to hear more about your ten things that you've learned. But mm-hmm. uh, trust in God, patience, uh, how to. And patience, we should say, is not only like learning to be patient and wait, but also not having your own patience tested and tried with some obnoxious <laughs> brother or sister, right? right? You know, you learn a lot of those things. And how to share. Sharing is caring, as you said, Tom. Frugality or economies of scale mm-hmm. uh, for all you economics majors out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, per, uh, per, uh, uh, parenting skills and the importance of community. So number seven. We're on number seven. And I, I, I wrote down loyalty. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, blind loyalty is kind of silly. But I do want to, this concept of having, like, you've heard the expression about family's blood is thicker than water. There's something about having a group of people that, that, that have your back. That's right. That you can believe in, that you can trust, that are there, that are, that are going to be there to support you. But essentially, it teaches you also to be loyal, right? That you don't. You don't you don't slight your brothers and sisters. It's an important thing because you're going to need them in community, and you don't want to pick something that's outside. Now, I will say this: that to its extreme is is bad, mm-hmm. right? Because then you get into things like nationalism. Because I come from this country, because my name is this, because I have this office or authority or power or money or whatever that I de- I demand loyalty. Well, that's different. 
mm-hmm. right? And you're not better because of your name. You're not better because you come from a certain country. You are better because you identify, I say better, but you identify with others that are in your community to, to, that you're loyal to them, that they know, they know that, that you've got their back. You know that they've got yours. Um, we see this in, especially in, in big families where older brothers you know, will, will defend the honor of their younger sister, right? And good example. Them's fighting words. That's a good example. You know, and, and there's something beautiful in that, and that's who you want defending you, mm-hmm. right? And so when you have the defenseless, when you have somebody who's you know, getting picked on, bullied, whatever, a little brother getting bullied, you know, the big brother kind of bows up a little bit and says, hey, dude. You mess with him, you mess with me. And there's something beautiful in that. Now, you don't want to pick fights. No. But there is something about... It's just an example. Well, in that loyalty, then you, you, you're teaching kids to defend the defenseless, right? So you're essentially making them pro-life, right? You're making them look at the, the most vulnerable in the world that need our defense, that need mm-hmm. our voice. And so we're teaching that in a large family. That's right. And that's why traditionally, you know, the big families are all going to be pro-life. I mean, they're living it, Right. Right. Um, so then uh, I have now the last three are all about love seven eight and nine but seven I'm going to start with love is eternal mm-hmm. now we learn that in a big family experience specifically because it goes on and on and on and there's there's this idea that it will never go away right love is uh, and it's, it's almost like this 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 font of love mm-hmm. that and it's really the, the the love that comes from God obviously when we say love. You know, Deus caritas est, right? God is love, and all love flows from him. And in the context of a large family, this love then flows in and through and with and by and for and around every member of that family. They feel it, and then they get a sense of eternity, right? It's never going to go away. I will always have the love of my mother, my father. I'll always have the love of my sisters and brothers. And there's something that that continuity gives you a sense of 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 confidence, it gives you a sense of joy, and really the theological virtue of hope, right? If you've got this this love that is eternal, it's like as bad as things might be at a given any given moment, it can't it can't shut off this fount, fountain of love. Right? It's beautiful. So so this idea of eternal love is I mean, it's literally it's 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 passed through and and exponentially shared in the context of a large family and you see it everywhere around every corner and interestingly with each new addition to the family that love is exponentially multiplied and like this sort of new and fresh love just pours in it's a big surprise too you're not expecting it when you start off with number 1 right and then well people say like well how can you have 9 kids well that's just one more than 8 Right, and they're like, "What?" I got like, "Well, that's one more than seven, one more than six, and they got right. they got like two kids." I'm going like, "So when you have nine, I'm gonna send you a card. You need to give me a quarter, you know, <laughs> and I'll be a rich man." Uh, okay, so love is eternal, and then the other aspect that that they're going to learn in, in this large family context is love is unconditional, mm-hmm. and again, that's we're talking about Deus Caritas Est. We're talking about God is love. We're talking about God's love here. And that is love is unconditional. God loves me no matter what. And this is borne out in the family, right? How many times have the kids, you know, they either beat each other up, they do something stupid, they short sheet their bed, or they, you know, put a snake in it, whatever. You know, kids are doing always doing stuff to each other. But even in serious situations where maybe there's a problem with uh, uh, alcoholism or or some other terrible travesty, um, the reality is no matter what, you love your family. Mm Mm-hmm. And your family loves you. 
And and the reason why that's important, and especially in a big family context, is you 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 know with an eternal love that's in a community. You don't want to have like a pocket where it's like, well, we love everybody except for Ralph. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's problematic, right? And the thing is, because the, then Fred is thinking like, yeah, Ralph did that. So if I do that, does that mean they're not going to love me anymore? And you have people living in fear of love and they, 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 in fear of losing that love. And then you, you lose that sense of hope and joy, right? You, you lose the eternity of the love because it's based on a condition. And so they learn as kids, like, no matter what happens, I mean, my kids can be fighting and then... They're like loving each other, loving all over each other the next you know few minutes or the next day or it's all forgotten or whatever. And it really teaches them about no matter what happens, that's your brother. No matter what happens, that's your sister. No matter what happens, I'm your dad or you're my dad. You know, and you start to realize it's unconditional. Mm-hmm. Right? Nothing's going to separate us. You know, a lot of the other things on this list are going to get shaken at times. Mm. Trust in God's going to get shaken at times. Yeah. Patience is going to get shaken in times. Community is going to be shaken at times. But as long as they know, because ultimately love is a choice, mm-hmm. yeah, that you're no right. matter when the tempers flare, no matter how bad things get, that they know at the end, we're all going to make the choice to love one another. Amen. Amen. And that's because love is unconditional. And this last one, it kind of flows with all this, but love is unlimited. Man, the number of times people say with nine kids are like going, so does that mean that you have this amount of love? And then now that you have nine kids, you have to divide it into nine pieces. So this poor little new kid, he doesn't get, you know, not much love at all. There's just not much there. So I have a hundred kids. There's got to get one one hundredth of the love. But if God is infinite, God is his love is infinite and that means if all love flows from him then all the love that comes into your family through your heart into your kids from your kids back to you it's unlimited mm-hmm. it's this continual fountain of eternal unconditional unlimited love right and you learn that from a big family mm-hmm. and it's always new it's God's grace is always new his love is expressed in new ways with new concrete realities of a new situation there's a new way to love and to express and reveal god's love and uh that 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 isn't in itself is unlimited and that's all beautiful that's so beautiful so you look at all these things so so catholics don't be afraid to have a few babies you know and and it's not down to the numbers it's just down just just trust god love god god loves you and then uh just you know all the great things that are happening in these large families Right, and just and keeping the van industry, you know, booming, right? Um, so we've come up with ten things. I bet you got ten things. You, everybody's got all their own list. Make your own list. Look at it, and if you're thinking about a family, trust God. It's Amen. all going to work out, right? Amen. Be and not afraid. It, be not afraid. Yes, and so let's be not afraid to ask Our Lady for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.